Okay, so we're recording. Uh, we're hot. Uh, we're live. Um, we're live. Live to us. Oh, live okay. to us. Live to you. Live everywhere around the world. Technically, we're in the future right now, but we oh, don't know shit. it yet. In the future, tomorrow, today. And I yesterday. can edit this out so people don't know that we are talking from the past. Why? The past tomorrow? Just fucking keep today? it. People like that shit, right? Right? People like to be in the know. Yeah. Don't they want to hear us bantering for like five minutes and shooting the shit? Right? And then the I next... told them, take <laughs> it out. <laughs> Put it on the table. Show me what you I got. Like, sir. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Let's do this. Welcome back to United We Nerd, the first episode of 2024. What is up, everybody? The full squad is here, ready for a new year, and I hope you guys are ready as well. For those of you that are joining us today, of course, my name is Brian, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Joel. How you doing, yo, bud? Yo, 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 yo. I'm good. How are you, Brian? How are you, Marcelo, who's also here? Yes. I'm also here, yes. The I am Marcelo. squad. New year. Doing all right. I'm glad that you, we're all here. We can all celebrate the new year together. Um, but before we do that, I want to tell everybody out there that's listening and watching this right now that this is the United We Nerd Podcast. The United We Nerd Podcast, where a bunch of nerds just come around and talk about the nerdy stuff that we like to talk about. And of course, that's if you want to talk about it with us, there's a few ways you can do that. You can uh, join us live on our Twitch streams at twitch.tv forward slash United We Nerd. You can leave a comment on YouTube in the comment section, as well as any uh, podcast uh, services that allow you to rate and uh, comment as well. Please do that. It will help us grow. Because, Joel, Marcelo, what is the new year without some resolutions? And I figured that this year, being... We're going to be heading to the third year of the podcast. A great resolution is to get more nerds involved. So, a mission for everybody out there. If you like the podcast, please like, share it with anybody you know. No matter if you're listening or watching, interact, have a conversation with us. We love to talk with other fellow nerds like yourselves. Having some fun. Mm -hmm. Let's grow this podcast so we can get as many, many nerds as possible to have fun, have conversations. And uh, there's going to be a very special event happening. Like I said, this is going to be our third year coming up on February 25th, our three-year anniversary. We are going to be doing Hell a yeah. very, very special live stream on Twitch. Mm -hmm. um, for those of you who know... Uh, halfway through last year, we started toying around with the idea of doing uh, special uh, live streams that are a little bit more competitive. And so this is going to be the evolution of that. So what we decided as a group 
is that on our anniversary, live on twitch.tv forward slash United We Nerd, we are going to be having the first ever battle for the Nerdy Weight Championship. That's right. Ooh. We are going to have a championship for the podcast, and you guys yeah, yeah, can yeah. get involved. Help us by coming to the stream, having some fun, and seeing history-making stuff, like who's going to be the first Nerdy Weight Champion. So, with that being said, end of house cleaning, Joel, Marcelo, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2024. How are you guys Hello. doing? Uh, Joel, let's start with you. How? What were we doing on break? Uh, I was playing a lot of Baldur's Gate 3, to be honest. <laughs> of course. Too much. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, I watched What If. That was good. It was fun. Uh, I enjoyed Season 1. Season 2, I think, was... Just as good, if not better. So nice, nice. And dodging yeah. Marcel's texts about watching certain movies as usual. So. Oh, what a surprise! <laughs> <laughs> so, so what? So what? So what movies are on this list? I, I keep hearing uh, about it, but I don't know what. There's at least movies. two. I'm sure there's many more. Marcelo knows, but one of them is The Whale, and the oh, other is Creed yeah. Three. Creed Three. Okay. So two. And Marcelo, and he definitely did. And let me tell you, he definitely didn't going? watch them on break. He had like, <laughs> he had like oh, a whole month of off of work. Yep, didn't watch either of them. I did not mm. have a whole month off. I had a week off. Thank you very much. But yes, that's true. I did not get to them. <laughs> Which a week off for you was like a month off for anybody else. So you know, you had all the time <laughs> in the world. And I got food poisoning, so I was like, kill me. Mm hmm. <laughs> yep. Had all that time, couldn't even watch you know three I movies. Did see though, you know oh, what I did what? see, Brian. For the first time, I saw the Sinbad movie by DreamWorks. Actually, oh, that's right. You were you were over on uh, New Year's Eve. We watched some good old classic uh, DreamWorks movies, and it was fantastic. We saw we saw Sinbad, and we saw How to Train Your Dragon Two, which I've never seen yep. before. So that was a treat. It was actually yeah. a, ple a pleasant surprise. But I'm really surprised you haven't seen Sinbad before. Oops. Never got to it. Nope. What happens in the second one? Uh, well, the, the oh, this, the, that's the one with the big dragon. Yeah, right? yeah. Jimon yeah. Hansu's yeah. I mean, the bad guy. This, 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 yeah. It's been out for a while, so I guess like spo the spoiler territory is kind of known void. It's, it's the one where Hiccup's <laughs> dad dies. Yeah, and he finds his mom. Yeah, okay. So he okay. gains one parent and loses the other. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He has okay. the flame sword. And also, I, I, I have uh, confirmed that uh, Hiccup is indeed Canadian. Yeah, definitely. Because it's the guy from um, uh, Seth Rogen. Yeah, April thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But I was making a joke. I was making a joke while we were watching. It's like, man, every time he calls Hip Cup Bud, it is just it sounds more and more Canadian. It's like, oh come on, Bud. Come here, Bud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It turns out the actor is actually Canadian. So I was like, oh, that makes sense now. Marcelo, how was your break? Well, let me tell you. It was not great. Oh. Okay. <laughs> uh let me first start by saying uh kids are gross. And I love them, <laughs> um, uh, but they touch stuff. And then 
inevitably they touch you and then you get sick and then you spend your break being sick. But in that time, um, what did I do? Oh gosh. I don't know. We saw each other. We saw each other. Yeah, we did see each other. Huh? Um, uh, we, we, we learned about, uh, we learned the story of Jesus Christ through the story of song. So that was fun. Um, Oh, wonderful. Wholesome. Yeah, uh, let's see. I can actually say the movie he's referencing, uh, there's a song with Antonio Banderas. It's actually not bad. What's it called again? I forgot. Oh, you, the the song or the movie itself? The song. I haven't watched the movie. Of course, I haven't watched the movie yet. You know it's me. Come so on. Wait, what movie are we talking about? Uh, oh, it's uh, the, the 2023 classic Christmas movie, Journey to Bethlehem. <laughs> you laugh, but it's actually a really fun movie. What's the song? Uh oh gosh, we're um, not being paid to advertise by the for yet anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, pay me because I love this movie. Um, <laughs> oh wow, okay. It the song is called "Good to Be King" and it's it, it, and it was a really fun movie. Oh, I, re- I, I heard really about it. that song. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't know it was recent. Okay. Yeah, it came out literally like a week or two before, um, uh. Uh, before uh, before before we like i stumbled across the song on my tiktok um of course yeah i don't know I don't, god it's a it's a long story i'm not going to get into on the pod today hey, about man, why. Al- algorithms are weird hey man <laughs> hey listen man listen my daughter started asking some questions about some stuff i wasn't ready to have a conversation about and then it just so happened that this i could just I could describe the stories better in song form. So, <laughs> okay. It's like, we're going to have the internet take care of this, hon. Yeah. You know, TV raised me. Internet can raise you. So, <laughs> uh, you know how that goes. What else? What's the um, difference? Yeah. I don't know. Either than that, just been chilling. Not a lot of time for video games. Unfortunately, I started playing uh super mario wonder but like i mean when i say started playing i mean literally just did one level um okay turn it on started playing it with with og and uh we played the first level and i was like this is impossible to play with a three-year-old and then we stopped playing (laughs) so we're not quite there yet so with with that small experience how how do you feel at least uh wonder is with having a small child like how was how was that experience? I know you're saying oh, it was difficult, but oh, it's super fun. I mean, the game itself is super fun. It looks really pretty. Um, I I downloaded the DLC for Pokemon. Hey, there you go. Nice. So I did play that. Um, how far did you get in that? Uh, have you played it? Oh, I finished all of it, dude. Okay. Um, I don't know if Joel, I, I don't know if Joel wants spoilers though. I'm not gonna get that game. I'm I'm still on Baldur's Gate, man. Okay, don't don't worry. And fire away this for anybody okay, that doesn't cool. want to hear so, about Pokemon DLC. Tune out so for a little bit. All 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 I will say is I got to the Mask Festival part, and okay. then the little boy got all butt hurt because I didn't want to talk yeah. to him or whatever. And then and then that's as far as I got. And yeah, then K- I stopped. Kieran gets butt hurt real quick. Yeah, he's kind of a he's kind of a pain in my ass, if you know what I mean. So that's about as far as I got. Um, yeah, and I need to go back and play. I, I need to travel. I've been tra- I've been traveling again for work, so I need to just start taking my switch with me again. 
It's, it's the perfect it's the perfect airplane companion. I do it for every trip mm-hmm. I go on. I know. I just it, I just wish it was just like like the switch is like this. I just wish it was like ee, just a little bit narrower just for me, just because I got like the big shoulders, you know, so it's like I don't want to be like this on like the plane. So it's like move <laughs> over. <laughs> um did you buy did you just buy the first DLC or did you buy the whole th- bundle together uh, i just bought the whole bundle it was like cool 35 bucks i think i think you will because i because i remember back when we were playing like black and wine stuff you you would power through pokemon games like it was nobody's business mm-hmm. i think you might really with that being said you might really enjoy the second piece of dlc the um uh the blueberry academy stuff because that one had me struggling a little bit not not like in quality but like in like how hard it can get because they i feel like where the first bit of dlc is mostly like build up story to lead to dlc too mm-hmm. um this one is like okay you need a challenge because you're so late in the game that we are gonna make the battles challenging so that all the battles are 2v2 mm-hmm. and all of the all of the like gym battles for that section actually have like comp level difficulty like the the like the uh npcs actually have like very like competitive viable teams which is really interesting for because hmm. like pokemon games can get challenging but i never really seen them do like this like level of like challenge before so i think you'll really enjoy that yeah, this first one, like, I don't know if it's just me or what, but it's a talker, man. Like, it just goes, and I'm it's, just like, it's a, oh, my it's a God. Set, it's, like, like I said, like, the first one, like, in retrospect, is very much a setup for the second one. Like, okay. th- this is okay. like, we're introducing you the character so we don't have to do it later. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun, but I just, like... Like, I literally sit there and, like, I'll be, like, watching something on TV and just, like, skip through all the text. Like, I don't give a shit about <laughs> anything. Like, I just want to fight stuff, man. That's where I'm at. I just want to fight stuff. I just want to fight stuff. Oh. Um, yeah, you'll you'll love two then. There's there's a lot of fighting in, two, in DLC 2. Yeah. And then, either than that, uh, this, is, this is beyond break. But, like, you know... I know you guys, I think you guys talked about this already, but finally got to see Godzilla yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Um, Let's go into it. What were your thoughts of, of minus yeah. one? Oh, man. Like I said, if I would have had an opportunity to talk to you guys last year, if I would have had an opportunity to see this last year in 23, it would have been my favorite movie of 2023 with just how awesome yeah. it was. I could go into a. I could do a whole episode on this movie by myself on how much I love this movie and just how great of like how good of a movie or mm-hmm. how great of a job this movie does at just the exploration of like the the metaphors of war, PTSD, survivor's guilt, you know, like mm-hmm. everything that this movie does, especially in a post-World War II Japan, right? And yeah. how well of a how good of a job it does at at the exposition of what those people returning back from war, like what they must have felt, you know, something that we as Americans probably have no clue what the Japanese would have experienced. Um, 
And, and so just, you know, like, like all of that, like all of that was in the back of my mind the whole time watching that movie. And like, you know, like I, like I'm watching Monarch or I'm trying, like slogging through I, Monarch right I, now. I haven't even started yet, dude. Right. Okay. So I, I can't, well, we'll have to talk about when, when you get to it, if you get to it, we'll talk about it. Right. But I'm struggling. Right. Cause I want to see monsters, right? Like, you know, that's what I want to see. I want to see, I want to see kaiju fighting each other but like with this movie you know godzilla is definitely a set piece and i was just very interested in in the cast and the characters in the movie because they did such a good job right the actors did such a good job that like godzilla like i probably like even if godzilla wasn't in the movie i was just like so invested in the characters yeah Yeah. exactly like they did such a good job with the characters Mm -hmm. which is such a unique thing to you know, to the Toho universe and how they do Godzilla movies that they make you, they do such a good job making you care about the characters versus like, you know, on this side of the, on this side of the ocean, like I don't care about any of the characters in like the American (laughs) versions of anything of like Kong versus Godzilla or King of Monsters. I don't care about anything with like the, the, like the monarch stuff or anything. I yeah. just want to see Godzilla like fight Kong on a fucking battleship. <laughs> and, and that's the testament because at least during like the Heisei era of Godzilla, like most of the Heisei films were just Godzilla versus something, you mm-hmm. know, and the humans were there. Like maybe there's like one or two, you know, or like a, a small handful of the movies where like the plot for the humans was okay. But the main attraction was Godzilla versus a big bad right. of some kind yeah. where, where this is literally taking it back to the roots again, I guess you could say, cause like kind of, Shin Godzilla was kind of like taking it back to the roots in a way where Godzilla was the antagonist mm-hmm. in a yeah. sense. But even in that, like the human plot was interesting, but at a point through the movie, it kind of gets like, muddled a little bit and you just want to see Godzilla wreck shit and it does um, but what you're saying like for anybody that says like no I just want to see like big monsters fight I kind of understand that but then I will pr- I will proudly present minus one and be like here's what a very good Godzilla movie can do when they treat the human characters with like care and they mm-hmm. give you a story mm-hmm. to care about because I swear to God like every character in that movie, I actually care about them. Like I care yeah. about like what they're going through and their struggles and like trying to figure out, you know, how to be Godzilla without the military's help. And then everybody trying to, you know, yeah, it was definitely like together. a ragtag and like, you know, like the twist at the end with like the main character, like I kind of saw coming, but I didn't. And but like it was still impactful enough where you were like, "Fuck!" Like this is intense. Yeah. Like it was still like it was still an emotional reaction to me. And and like I don't use it. I like I feel like I use it as a crutch now. But like as a father and as somebody who's you know whatever, like all <laughs> that kind of shit still like resonates like with me now. And I'm like that stupid motherfucker like fucking did that <laughs> shit you know like all that kind of stuff still reacts well um but on um, like so that's like on the story level um on like the actual movie side 
like with the budget that they had, right? This movie in comparison, such a small budget, like such yeah, a small budget. Yeah. But at, the way that they made this Godzilla look was so cool because in some in some angles and in some scenes, they it looked like a man in a suit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In some angles, and it looks so cool. And then, of course, the CGI looked like I was, you know, me, you know how I am about like CGI and sometimes it looks really shitty and sometimes I'm like really critical about it. Yeah. Especially like high budget movies. Like, come on, guys. Like, but like I, I like knew this was low, low budget for what for what it was. But like it didn't matter to me in this movie. Yeah. Um, this was the best representation of an atomic breath that I've ever seen. It was so fucking it's cool. Like, so it was so scary. Intense. Yeah. Um yeah, this was this was a dope movie. Like there was a lot of things that a lot that I liked about this movie. Um and I'm still processing a lot of the movies that I saw last year. Um which I know like I know we're already getting into 24, but like I I still think uh that we need to do a breakdown as a group cuz I know I've been kind of MIA and stuff like with all of the movies that I saw last year. Uh, because there was a lot. There was a lot, and I want I want to touch on the look of Godzilla real quick. Um, because I don't know if you knew this. Um, it was in the credits, but the design for Godzilla in minus one was made by Square Enix. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, they got they got Square Enix to design and animate Godzilla for the movie. Dude. And uh, to add on to the the coolest implementation of the atomic breath, I think also one of the coolest charge up sequences. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude! Where Godzilla just becomes like a like a pile bunker, and like having all of his spines like stick out as it's charging up, and they all just shoot, go back in the body as he just fires the beam out. Oh god! It's so yeah, cool. I just love that they couldn't do anything. Like there's literally nothing that they could do. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it was cool. It was a dope movie. I loved it. Um, Made Godzilla terrifying. Yeah, it really oh, did. God, like, you really so scary. Very scary. Um, because I don't, I don't think I've ever seen Godzilla like, like reach down and like eat people in that way or that like, I can remember, or literally stomp on civilians. Yeah, because mm-hmm. like play with them s- on the beach. <laughs> yeah, because like sometimes, like sometimes Godzilla is so big that like the destruction is just like, oh, okay, like, you know, it's hard, like the destruction is just so big that it's like, oh, well, like, of course people are going to like get like fucked up or whatever, like, versus like, hey, here's like 19, early 1950s Japan where things are a little bit smaller, things like the scale is smaller. And, you know, things are constructed differently and all of a sudden it's like the chaos is just different. And then all of a sudden here's like a here's this giant fucking monster thing coming at you. So, yeah, it was dope. I can't wait to see it again. I know know. it sucks. It sucks because it's going to take forever to come out. I hope not. Yeah, because minus because uh, 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 Shin Godzilla took. I feel like it took forever to come out on uh, on like 
Blu-ray or whatever digital. I feel like it, it took almost a year for it to come out. You know what pisses me streaming off? Services. They don't reprint Shin Godzilla that much, but I keep fucking seeing the fucking Matthew Broadwick Godzilla movies on shelves. Well, I guess not anymore, but I, like for the longest time, I've kept seeing them on shelves. I was like, I need some good Godzilla. Hopefully they'll bring like the black and white version when they re- release it in theaters in Japan. Oh yeah, that'd be cool to see. Um, uh, I guess. Uh, what about you, Brian? What you been up to? Boy, did I do some gaming? I actually went through my uh, gaming backlog and I actually started t- taking chunks out of it. Um, you guys knew because I, I messaged you guys. Um, I beat Spider-Man 2, finally. Hell yeah. Woo. Great game. Hell, oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Such a good game. It's so, so good. Um, I'm kind of sad because now I have nothing to do. Like, I could try to 100% it, but I feel like where I'm at right now, I am satisfied on where I am with Spider-Man 2. I don't know if... Insomniac is planning any DLC. Um, I I know they're they said I. To, I know they said for New Game Plus. I don't know about you. I'm that's what I'm waiting for. I know they said that they were only focusing on the main game, and they'll think about it later. So that's fair. I think what we got with the game is well and beyond you know anything that you know I can expect as far as. Mm-hmm interesting side missions that actually have nice little story like mini story beats for the character um especially a lot of miles's uh side stories are actually really good yeah yeah like i i can understand um insomniac like leaning towards going along with miles for like future games because i feel like what they've been able to do with him with the past two games i guess i should say the past three games um but at least the past two with with him actually being like uh, Spider Man, um, he has a lot of lot of cool stories that I think they could tell. And of course, you know maybe we'll have Peter come back. Um, you know, every once in a while they'll have like another team up, or you know they'll have other characters come in. Um, but I I appreciated the way they handled having two Spider Men in the game, as far as like having their own individual skill trees, but then also having one that's both for both of them. So like, like share abilities, which was nice. It, it felt less grindy, which is weird when you have a game with three skill trees, but it felt less grindy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, characters are great. Um, it took me a little bit, but I, I started getting used to the new Peter face. Cause I, I didn't <laughs> play the, the PS five version of, the first Spider-Man game, so I I haven't gotten the chance to actually take a good look at it yet. So, you know that's the thing. Um, but yeah, Spider-Man Two, love it. Really good game. Um, I think didn't I think Spider-Man Two won our bracket of the year? Yeah, I put I put Baldur's Gate behind it. Yeah. Oh, you did. Oh well, I don't think I don't think I did. I uh, well, 
I don't know where I was, but I, I put Baldur's Gate and I put Spider-Man 2 behind it, but it's okay. That's okay. I won. Joel, Joel, Joel did the, the, the last minute swerve because I, um, I I thought I was going to be leaning to Baldur's Gate too. so. Damn, traitor. Um, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, look at me now. <laughs> I'm just, That's uh, true. I will say, now that you beat it, uh, Brian, what do you think your favorite boss battle was? And then I have one other comment after that. There were some great boss battles, I think. So, very cinematic, very like also like So this is this is the kind of this is kind of I'm gonna be cheating a little bit because I'm I'm putting um variables because I'm gonna say two. There's two that I can think of. One is like a pseudo I call it a pseudo boss battle because it's a very more for the story than it is of how challenging it was. So First, I'm going to say, I guess, like, spoilers for anybody who hasn't played Spider-Man 2 yet, like, again, um, the Venom versus Kraven fight. Oh, that was so good. That whole Venom sequence. Oh, good. I was was talking to you a little bit about this, Joel, but, like, it just, it had such a good balance of, like, that power fantasy, but Mm -hmm. then also showing how terrifying Venom can be as you're playing Venom. Yeah. Like, you're... You're bursting through building like uh, window panes and like literally the structure of like the building you're in itself, and then going on to New York. You know, Craven finds you. You have your big battle, and then having fucking Venom bite his head off was oh, fucking dude, it was raw. raw. It was fucking raw. Uh, yeah, that whole sequence was fantastic. Um, I think. This won't be my this uh man, it's so hard to choose. Like, of course the Sandman one was a great opener. I'm gonna put an asterisk on that just because that that's just a big that's just a set piece in itself that you can't mm-hmm. ignore. Um But like boss battle that I really, really digged. I probably would have to go with The Miles versus Peter was really good. It was so good. Was Man, very... I was about to say my guy was about to skip over the best fight. <laughs> it, it, it hit all the good. It hit all the good plot points. It hit all the good emotional uh, sticking points that they wanted to hit with that. You know, with Miles trying to Miles being like the best Spider-Man he could be into trying to talk Peter down and talk him out of it. You know, being being what Spider-Man's supposed to be. Where you have the juxtaposition where Peter is, you know, like, getting so close to just being fully, like, venomized, you know. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Um, while I was thinking about it, I wanted to do an honorable mention. The Peter versus Scream fight. That threw me off. Like, I did not expect that at all. That was yeah, super cool. Um, and, yeah. I'll stick with those for now. Because I'm sure there's going to be more I'm going to think of later that are going to pop in my head. But I'm going to yeah. stick with, like, those fights for right now. For sure. You agree, Marcelo? We didn't have a chance to talk about it. Yeah, no. The, the, Peter versus, the Peter versus uh Miles fight was great. Um... I like the uh, 
I like the Peter versus Craven fight too. Was pretty good. Uh, and uh, I like the I like the MJ with the Glock running around. <laughs> the, the the Shocky Glock. Uh huh. The Shocky Glock was fun. Uh, oh, one one honorable mention. I'll say it's not a boss fight, but it's a cool sequence that I really enjoyed. Um, Miles and Mister Negative. Yeah, going into yeah, Peter's yeah, mind, yeah. teaming together, and yeah. then having having uh, Martin Lee like sacrifice his powers to save Peter, thus having Peter become anti Venom was fucking dope. I loved yep. it. I was like, how are they going to have Peter use the symbiote powers? Because there's still like stuff in his ability tree I haven't unlocked yet. It's like, well, <laughs> let me show you anti Venom real quick. Yeah. No, it was a good game. There's a lot of solid, solid moments. Hell yeah. Yep. Um, what else? Uh, oh, I played uh, God of War Ragnarok's DLC Valhalla that came out uh, near the uh, beginning of December. I finally got to play through that. Really good. Like, Ragnarok itself is already a great game, but having... DLC that just um you know displays the combat uh gameplay even more having a roguelike feature in God of War that actually really works and also giving us some more story which is fantastic I love God of War story and so to get more of that was actually really nice and the way I don't want to spoil too much because Joel, I know you're going to be playing. You'll play it eventually once you get through Ragnarok first. Um, it it wasn't exactly what I expected, but that is a good thing. Um, like this isn't really much a spoiler, but like you know, like most roguelites, you'll have uh, different rooms that you'll keep going through, and there'll be different enemies they have to fight through. Um, not only did they bring back uh, villains from the past two God, God of War games, they brought enemy characters from the original God of War games. So like you're going to, you're going to see enemy types that you haven't seen in a long time. And it's actually really interesting to see like a newer version of them, like all, you know, brand new and like has new models and having the new Kratos kind of like, you know, fight them again it's really cool the story beats wrecked and are also really nice um i think if you were to like grind through it you can get through it pretty quickly uh, i think for me i did it in about three and a half sittings to get through like most of the story and apparently there's a little bit more story after that um so i'll probably dive into that a little bit later but yeah highly recommend uh, Ragnarok Valhalla. It's really good. And it's free. It's free DLC. So if you have oh, Ragnarok, yeah. there's no reason why you shouldn't play it. Uh, what else? Oh, I finished Assassin's Creed Mirage just the other day. Nice. How'd you, how'd you, how, how'd you like it? I really enjoyed it. Um, okay. It had the charm and the scuff that a classic Assassin's Creed game would have. And I know for some people that kind of puts them off, but for me, I enjoyed it. Um, it 
was able to give me a little bit of nostalgia, but also keep some of the aspects of the newer games and also kind of expand upon ideas that they tried to introduce uh, later on before the, the, the reboot games happened. Um, it hearkened me back to pretty much where they're trying to go with with Syndicate, in a sense, just as how the game felt. Because you had a little bit of the parkourness uh, that Syndicate had, which is kind of like a dumbed down version of of Unity. Um, not not the most elegant thing in the world, but it gets the job done. Um, they did a great job of giving you variety as far as assassinating the main targets, um, which I believe Unity introduced. That they kind they kind of tried to bring back in Valhalla uh, in the DLC, but I felt like it was kind of a missed opportunity that they couldn't uh, implement it more. Uh, so that was really nice. It felt the world's beautiful. I've I've said that before when I was playing the game. The world is very beautiful. It's big, but not too big. Um. So basically, you have your main missions, and of course, you have like a little bit of like a little bit of the collectathon stuff that I I did a little bit. Um, but Basim is a very fun character. Uh, if uh, you'll meet him in Valhalla in his old age. And so you get to see his beginning and like kind of where you kind of see where his path will lead him into Valhalla. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought the acting was uh, very good. The characters were fun. Um, but yeah, just an overall fun Assassin's Creed time that I very much appreciate. And I hope I know that they're code red the 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 japan assassin's creed game is i think the next one on their docket and that's going to be more so kind of like the valhalla origins style where it's the bigger like rpg open world i hope that mirage did well enough to where maybe they can like switch off every couple of years and like do these smaller ones because i feel like they did something really good here is it fantastic and amazing? No, but I feel like I feel like as the Assassin's Creed community could use smaller games like this every once in a while. Um, but yeah, was it a? Uh, it was, in general, was it a pretty short game or was it pretty long? It's it's a shorter game. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think. Like can, 30 hours, right? Versus like Valhalla's like 40 or 60, right? Yeah. It's like it's like roughly a 30 hours, depending on how fast you kind of cut through like the main the main quests. Um yeah, you can you can get through it pretty quickly. Quicker than any of the more recent Assassin's Creed games, that's for sure. Uh but yeah. It had a I lot of I bought it on. Oh, that's right. You actually bought it. I did. I don't remember what system. PlayStation? Probably PlayStation. Yeah, probably. I say it's it's still worth playing through if you had some fun with it. Um, definitely harkens way back to like the original Assassin's Creed games, which I guess is the point because this kind of helps set up kind of where things lead to the first game 
as far mm-hmm. as like the environment. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I had a really good time. Uh, and I'm just kind of glad that I have an Assassin's Creed game that I was able to beat in a few months instead of two years, <laughs> like the the past few games. Um. Oh, I played two new mobile games that I want to talk to you guys about. Um, both have different varying um, experiences, so I kind of want to punch low for a second before we can lift it back up. So if you guys aren't familiar, uh, I mentioned before that there is a Devil May Cry mobile game that was being made, and it was released last week called Peak of Combat. And I took one look at it, and I realized that this game is not for me. Which sucks, because I'm a very big Devil May Cry fan. Uh Uh-oh. Let me tell you guys what... Want to hear why? So... The the mobile game itself is pretty much like, what if we had a Devil May Cry game, but for mobile? It's like, okay. You know, you can imagine there'd be a little bit of scuff, but you know, it's, it's whatever. Um, the models looked weird. They looked very much like... It is very obvious that somebody else had a hand in this? Like, that wasn't directly Capcom. Which I think someone else actually did make this game. Um, the voice acting is confusing. So the, <laughs> the, the cutscenes are very obvious that they've got some voice actors to kind of just do lines. And they aren't the original voice actors for the characters. Um... Only, like, the big cutscenes have voice acting, and then at some points during gameplay, uh, it will just be text. Which is confusing. And get this, so, apparently, this game took very much inspiration from Devil May Cry 3. Um, Mostly because a lot of the characters, um, you know, Dante, Virgil, and uh, Lady... Uh, all appear in their Devil May Cry 3 look, for the most part. Mm. Um, and then you also have Nero from Devil May Cry 4, his look in 4. Um, apparently also down the line they're adding V, who has only been in 5. So I am I am beginning to believe that this game is just living in the pocket dimension because apparently uh, even though it is styled, like three, they're kind of pretending that three didn't happen, but hmm. they're also three did happen because they'll kind of met because like Dante and Lady will be to like already working together, and that'll be post three, but then Virgil's doing something, which doesn't make sense because Virgil's like trapped in the demon world with Mundus, so that doesn't make sense. Um, also, there's Gotcha, of course, because it's a free-to-play game. So there's mm-hmm. got to be Gotcha. Um, you can unlock characters, and they have different costumes. 
one of the first characters you can unlock is Nero from 4, so that obviously changes things. Because not only do you have characters that look like they're from 3, acting like they're from 3, but are not from 3, but also you have Nero, that's from Devil May Cry 4, hanging out, you know, that is not involved in the story, but he's there, you know. Um, I played about close to two hours before I gave up, um, and I'll tell you why. Don't think I mentioned about voice acting. The reason why I truly believe they just lifted three and used it as the bones for this game is because not they had the simple voice acting from like different actors for the cutscenes in the game is the exact same voice lines, the action effort voice lines from Devil May Cry 3 hmm. for Dante. It's exactly the same. I shit you not. I even I even went back to some Devil May Cry 3 footage just to make sure and guarantee they are the same exact effort noises from <laughs> Devil May Cry 3. Um, wow. So that's interesting. Um, now, you guys know that Devil May Cry 3 is all about its stylish combat. You know, you do mm -hmm. the combos, you do the weapon switching, you have fun with it, you kind of, you know, just mess around, try to get a good style ranking. Um, for this, you have your combos that you can upgrade. Um, you have a move that's tied to a button which once you use it has a cooldown, which already makes it kind of weird because I, it's like, so if I have Dante do a stinger, I have to wait for a cooldown in order to use it again. So that's like, I can't combo in and out of that. Not to mention, um, two of his styles are switchable. But then two of his styles are implemented into his moveset. So he doesn't have his style, all his styles that you can switch between. Um, also, for, if you're playing with controller, some of the buttons don't work. So you have to, like, let's say if you want Dante to use his double trigger, you actually have to tap the touch screen to activate. So you have to go from your controller and then reach down the touch the touchpad to activate it. I don't know if you can map. I didn't get that far because I didn't care. Um, but the game really wants you to do the microtransactions because mm -hmm. not only can you do gotcha for costumes, do gotcha for characters. You can do gotchas for the weapons that the character uses that you have to upgrade in order to beat the more challenging enemies. Of course. And of course, from there, there are also items that you need to help upgrade you even further. And you can upgrade your character. You can upgrade the weapon. You can upgrade the movesets with in-game uh, you know, currencies and whatnot. And the one thing that beguiled me is apparently they already had a 2.0 uh, update. And for some reason, it took out Dante being able to use guns. Hey, man, just remember, a gotcha game is always going to be a gotcha game. So, But 
let me just say that again. Dante, the guy who was known for going Wahoo Pizza Time with his sword and his pistols, Ebony and Ivory, and the game actively does a patch to where he can't use his fucking guns. What the fuck? Like, I'm getting actually frustrated right now. It's like, what is this game? It's such a husk of what Devil May Cry is. Like, there's literally jokes on Reddit going, having a picture of someone holding up Devil May Cry 2. It's like, well, maybe you weren't that bad. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I stopped playing. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, it's nice that they're trying to do more things with Devil May Cry, which is great. You know, we're getting the anime sometime soon on Netflix, I hope. Actually, this year. Um, the only positive I could say about Devil May Cry uh, Peak of Combat is that we got a new song by uh, Casey Edwards, which is cool. Always down to having more... Um, Devil May Cry 5-esque music coming through. So that's the only bright point. So I'll go from there. I know I'm being long-winded, but I'll go from there. And Joel, I think... Well, I think both of you actually really enjoy this, but Joel, I think you might really enjoy this. I played another mobile game called Mobile Suit Gundam UC Engage. Oh, I've I've heard of that one, actually. I've heard of that one. Joel... If you have any mobile device that could handle it, download it. You'll have a great time. This is the complete polar opposite of what Peak of Combat is. You see Engage, honestly, I think is going to be my new mobile game obsession for a bit. So for people that don't know, You See Engage is a project that they've been talking that, you know, Sunrise and like Mobile Suit Gundam have been talking about for a while, um, where it is a celebration of the UC timeline. So what they did is that they made a like a tactic strategy mobile game where uh, you'll have your mobile suits, uh, which is great because when you play the first time, they let you pick a mobile suit out of a list. And it's a pretty good list. I ended up choosing Unicorn because, of course, Um. But it's pretty much they're celebrating the entire UC timeline. So I guess from original Mobile Suit Gundam, actually even uh, MS uh, Origins, all the way to turn A. Um, And so you unlock mobile suits, you unlock pilots for those mobile suits to kind of help boost it up. Um, And basically there's a whole story mode where you go through big moments in UC's history. And What's great is that it's fully voice acted. It's all Japanese voice acting, but it's fully voice acted. Um, they have snippets of the original anime that that will be shown to kind of like help you get into like the timeline you're going into. But then also they have newly animated uh, combat sequences. So basically how the game is worked is that you have your team. You can have like a team up to like five mobile suits that you can choose an upgrade. And then from there you have a battle. It starts out with a battle grid and you can set them up on your side of the grid in any like formation that you prefer. 
And of course, uh, they have like this kind of like rock, paper, scissors things where it's like uh, there's, you know, for example, there's green, blue and red units. Well, red can uh, beat the shit out of blue units and then blue can beat green and green beat red. So so you can kind of strategize what you want to do. And the game actually does a good job of telling you when you're at an advantage or disadvantage, which is really nice. But from there, you set your pieces on the, on the board and then you begin the battle and the game itself kind of plays on its own and you get to watch. But what's really cool is that you can change it from an like above camera angle, like a top-down camera angle, to having it be a third-person camera angle and you're right up into the combat with whatever mobile suit you're looking at at the time. And then like they'll have... Um, you know, EX moves that you can activate that like give your uh, either your mobile suits buffs or they'll do like a special move based off of their mobile suit. Um, really, really cool. Uh, I just installed it, by the way. Fantastic. What do you it's, think I'm doing? Hey, what do you think there I'm go. doing? I'm selling them. I'm <laughs> selling them, guys. I'm doing it. But I've been playing it all weekend. It's been super fun. Um, since it's their launch, uh, they have a lot of free stuff that they're giving away. I haven't felt the need. They don't pressure you into buying anything. There is microtransactions because it still has a gotcha system, but it feels less pressured. And especially since I've, I've literally unlocked so many mobile suits already without spending a dime, which is great. Like shit. I picked Unicorn first. I already have, you know, the Arc 78 2. I have Sharzaku. I have, um, you know, Ground Type Gundam. I have, you know, some Zakus. I have, you know, a good list of mobile suits already. For, and That's I, a podcast over. We're playing Gundam. There we go. <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. It's over. But yeah. So once that's. I, I also highly recommend because they do ask you if you want to do a full download. If if your device has the space, I'd suggest doing that just because it runs a lot smoother doing a full download. Um, but you can choose whatever you want to do. If you have a if you have a good um, you know internet, you know it might not be a problem. Uh, highly recommend. It's so if you're a big Gundam fan, like anybody out, like I know these two are. Go try it out. Like, this isn't a sponsor or anything. This is just another Gundam fan telling other Gundam fans, check it out. It's a good time. Please. Oh, my God. That'd be fantastic. But, yeah. So, that that put me in a good mood. You know, after kind of, like, being soured on one mobile game, it's, it's really nice to have another one that I can actually go back to and have fun with. And of course, I'm playing on my tablet, so it's a nice big display, and it looks really crisp and clean. Do I install on like my iPad Pro? So it's like 13 inches of like. There you go. And this <laughs> looks hella good for mobile. We've come a long way. Holy shit, you guys! This looks sick. Oh, bro, <laughs> dude! Even like once you get into it, even the gotcha cutscene before they show you what you got looks sick as fuck. And okay, here's a, here's a cool thing I want to tell you. So. When you do a pull in the gacha, they do a little battle cutscene, like newly animated, like, you know, 
Amuro comes in in the Gundam and Shar comes in in the Zaku and they're fighting in space. And that fight is basically just to tell you how good of a pull you got. Because if you got a really good pull, the battle keeps continuing. And it's oh, so... Nice. And um, I'm not going to spoil anything, but depending on your pulls, there's different mobile suits that can appear as well. I'm just going to say that. But yeah, mobile suit Gundam, you see engage. Super fucking cool. Damn, they really trying hard to make Shard's counterattack good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I yeah, I really recommend place. it. All right, well, good to know, Brian. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, could put a pause right here real quick. Marcelo, you said you had to uh, go put your kids down? Yeah, give me a couple minutes, guys. Let me go put the kiddos down, and then I'll be back. All right, I'll, I'll just pause the recording for now. All right, give me a sec. Cool. Thanks. Um, well, I don't know. I feel like kind of wrapping up on that. Um, I don't know if you guys wanted to get in some, into some news. That we the, missed. The news you posted for today. Oh, oh my God. But yeah. Yeah. Fuck. So, so if that's not any uh, indication of where we're headed, uh, let's just uh. jump into it. Uh. Let's get into some news. All right. Looking up at our topic section. Uh, how do you guys record, right? Oh, Sorry. <laughs> oh, don't okay, worry, man. I, I got I, it. I, 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 I almost, didn't know when the go was. I didn't hear it. We, Fuck. Been almost doing it for three years. Yeah, I'm just making sure. They didn't fuck up today. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you did, then whatever. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys want to just tackle this uh, new story right off the bat. Because it is uh, depressing. In a sense. Um... One reoccurring story that we've been go seeing throughout 2023 was, of course, how the video games industry loves laying off people. Uh, you know, and if you thought that 2024 was going to be the winds of change, uh, I would beg to differ. Because apparently, according to multiple sources, um, in the first two weeks alone... In 2024, uh, there has been enough layoffs to cover about 20 to 25% of last year's layoffs already. And it's only been about two weeks of uh, January, so that's fun. Um, let's see. Kotaku here has a article that they're, they're updating constantly, which is unfortunate, of... All the video game companies that are laying off people, um, there are a few here. Some don't have exact numbers, so I'm just going to kind of go off of the big ones that were announced uh, this past few weeks. Uh, the first big one being Unity uh, laid off 1,800 people, which, right. according to them, is nearly 25% of its staff. And, of course, uh, for people that didn't hear the news last year um when unity went through their try they're trying to renegotiate their terms and it got a lot of people in the industry mad because they're going to try to nickel and dime people um 
Of course, they went back on it, but that hurt the company a lot. And so they had some layoffs last year and they had a lot more already. And apparently, uh, according to Kotaku, uh, the layoffs will be completed by the end of March. So I don't know if this means that it's like it'll be finalized or if there's more to come, but that number alone did a big chunk of the number this year. Um, the day after that, on January 9th, uh, Twitch laid off 500 people, which they said was about 35% of their total staff. Um, it doesn't say exactly why they were laid off. Um, I know at some point last year, Twitch said that they were getting out of uh, South Korea. So I don't know if that's where a lot of the staff is coming from. But um, apparently Twitch is going to, through Amazon, is going to go through a little bit of a restructuring. So that sucks. Um, let's see. A few days after that, Discord laid off 170 people. was 17% of the company's total staff. Um, Discord did a, a big hiring boom during the pandemic when a lot of people started using Discord. And... Just like a lot of the other companies, they're now trying to suffer that that bloat, which sucks because that means more people are being laid off. Uh, and there's a few other companies, smaller companies that are having layoffs for certain reasons. But to think that we have barely gotten into 2024 and we've already reached 25% of the number that was laid off last year is wild. It's kind of hard to believe. And, and a lot of what this is too, is just what it's just the, uh, the, the, the video game companies, right? Doesn't even include all the other companies that have started laying people off. Oh no, or yeah. The other tech companies and stuff. Oh no, yeah, for sure. Like this, like this article is only covering like the video game industry in general. Like, there's been layoffs in yeah. a whole bunch of other different sectors of, you know, industry and whatnot. But man, like I know it. Like we we talked about it a lot last year. And it it never gets any easier to, to talk about it, and it it's sad to say that it's it's kind of getting old at this point. Where if it was like, all right, some another company's laying off people, but it still sucks because you know that's a lot of that's a lot of people still. And what's unfortunate is like not only the people that are being laid off are suffering, but the whole industry in in, in and of themselves is suffering from this. Because that's a lot of, you know, knowledge that's just being thrown away. You know, last year, there's so, been so many layoffs that it's so uncertain. Like, a lot of people that are, still have jobs in the video game industry feel uncertain how secure their job positions are. To the point where people that are being laid off are just leaving the industry in general. This has been happening mm -hmm. all last year. And it seems like it's going to be continuing because a lot of the higher ups, uh, you know, 
got very confident during the lockdown, you know, pandemic, uh, where they were hiring and hiring a bunch of people because, you know, you know, everybody was buying video games and, you know, cause they had to stay home. There wasn't anything else you could do. And now they're suffering for it because that bloat has to be cut somewhere. And of course the executives for most of these companies aren't going to, you know, foot the bill themselves. They're going to be cutting it, you know, from other places. And unfortunately that means a lot of people lose their jobs. Uh, And there's also this big pressure, right? A lot of these companies who were so like, remote 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 like i've all of a sudden like started this pressuring of like oh you know we're gonna start bringing people back into the office as if it drives productivity any different than working remote too you know and and then people don't want to come back to the office and then they start laying people off and then they're like well we'll, we'll find people that want to come into the office and it starts creating this chaos of like you know, like, no, I don't want to go back into the office. Like, well, it's different, right? And, and I don't know what your guys' opinion about it are. Like, I, my job is mostly remote, hybridist. Like, I go into the office, I have things I have to do in the office very, very rarely. But my company is a remote first job, which is great for the, like, you know, being a remote first job, like, what a lot of these companies don't realize is that it really opens up the ability to really source and find great, you know, talented people um, anywhere, right? In these types of industries where, you know, people like to be, you know, all over the place. Um, Like, I don't think that having to force people to come back into the office is the right solution for a lot of these cases. And again, we're four years past the pandemic and COVID cases are now I'm getting, you know, now, now I've totally, I've totally (laughs) tangented from what you were saying, but now this is just something that was on my, uh, it's totally off my mind, but like, this is just something that I've been thinking about in the past couple of days. Like, and I'm sorry to totally derail this. No, go for it, dude. Go for it. Like COVID cases are higher than ever before. And like, yeah, you know, we're back, we have vaccinations and stuff and, and things for this, but it's like, it's not getting any better, you know, and people no. are still getting sick and people are still dying from this. But it's like, you know, why are you still forcing people to come back into the office? And when there's not really a need to, you know, people can still be productive from home. I don't know, all, that's just my about, two cents about it. It's all about that con- control, baby. Like your office space is still a is still a write off at the end of the year. Your leasing space is still a write off at the end of the year. You don't you don't need to force people back into the office, you know? Um, and like I said, like but, the amount of people, the amount of talented people that you can find by being a remote first company is crazy. Like, you know, at least that's my thought about it. That's why I'm happy where I'm at. No, yeah. so. I mean, and that's, that's important. Cause like you, I think out of the three of us, you definitely have a better idea of, the possibilities that could be happening at these companies, you know, working for a company yourself that is tangentially involved somewhat in like the video game realm as, as well as other, you know, facets, but still it's kind of nice to actually have that kind of perspective. Uh, 
within it. Uh, Joel, I know we've talked yeah. about a lot of this <laughs> last year. Is this a big surprise to you that we're still having to deal with this kind of news? It's it sucks that like you brought it up already. Like I'm desensitized. It these are people losing their fucking jobs because you know the suits are profiting. You know we we see it in our games we play. It's I think I just want to reiterate like the horror stories of like people who were like going back to what you said Marcel. It's like no, you can't work for our company. You have to move to our state, work here, right? It's like, can you guarantee I'm I'm gonna be here for a year? And I see the horror story. It's like, no, I moved here and then got laid off. It's like, why did you make them waste their time? They're in a new place. They left, and it's, it, it it's, yeah, it, it it's like, I don't know. It, it, there's beyond. I just I don't have the words. Like it's, it, what a loss. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Hopefully. For the people that are laid off, hopefully they can find new work. I'm sure there's a lot of companies that would love the experience that those people have as, you know, right. whether it's, you know, game development or it's, you know, site wise for, you know, other companies or dev wise, you know, hopefully they can find their feet. And I don't know, like silver lining for me that hopefully maybe this mass exodus of, you know, people from all these companies will hopefully turn around in a few years and we'll see a bunch of new small companies kind of come up and have a lot of new indie studios kind of try to, you know, make something for themselves and kind of thrive. That's only, that's only what we can hope. So, you know, thoughts out to yeah, everybody being an efficient union, at least. That too. Something to that's a, that's also something. Video um, game, you know, that's the scary thing for video game, you know, to bring it, even bring it up. But it's like they they need it. Like we've seen it for a whole year, and it's not stopping. <laughs> so. um, speaking of uh, unions, did you guys hear about the recent um, deal that SAG After made with the uh, <laughs> for video game voice actors? Yeah, I saw. Was that. this the AI thing? Yeah, Joel, why, why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about? <laughs> uh, uh, you you tell us about it. I'm not I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, just, so I'll just you'll just hear me grunt and moan and disarray. So this is this is interesting because it's it's specified for a particular studio. So basically, um, this uh, I believe last week. SAG AFTRA, um, who, you know, a lot of the writers and actors last year on a strike, um, they came to make a deal with a video game company called, I just had it, I think it's Republic Studio? Yeah, Re uh, Replica Studios for the licensing of use of AI replicas of voice uh, voices in video games. So... Uh, I remember when this first came out, there has been a lot of, you know, you know, what the fuck's going on, rightfully so. Um, so I'm on the fence about this because I've heard, I've heard this explained two ways. Right off the bat, it sounds horrible, you know, because, you know, 
AI replacing voice acting that's not good. I know the finals that came out uh, at the end of last year got some plaque because they, they used AI for some of the voice uh, voice lines in the game. Um, but reading into this farther, uh, basically to sum it up, SAG After made a deal with uh, Replica Studios so that um, they made protections for the voice actors to sign off on that studio in particular to make AI replica like voice modules for like their games. Um, from what I read, basically, like they have to have the actor sign off on it. Um, you know, they get the minimum uh, rate of pay for their their use in AI form. Um, and the actors can uh, pull out at any time. Like they can, like they can deny the use of their voice in AI whenever they they so choose. So, is this scary? A little bit, but when you kind of read in the fine details, it's at least pointed in a direction to where the actors themselves have protections, so that studios like you know replica studios don't just have free reign so it's it's a mixture of like good and bad because it's bad that there's companies that just want to use ai instead but it's also good that sag after is at least kind of putting protections for the actors which is something you kind of want to do you want to get into it early because that's the whole issue with the actors strike last year was that they didn't get in soon enough for protections with like the, you know, the whole AI and like the uh, the deep fake technology and stuff like that, where at least this sets like a small precedent for like at least the video game industry. At least that's how I'm looking at it, Joel. I, I I've seen some uh, <laughs> some emotions going through uh, your head. Let me uh, let me know what you're thinking. Uh, you know what would really solve all that. Just fucking pay your actors right. I'd such an undercut with AI, but ugh, whatever. Um, like, yeah, protections should have been like the first thing, right? I mean, if I know as as a voice actor for sure, like I don't want my voice being used without my permission. I mean, I guess people. I mean, people still do it anyway, right? There's videos out there all over. I mean, sure, some of it's comical, some of it's fun. If you're using it for a like a like a project and you're getting paid that's not cool right i mean i don't know like i'm not a big name or anything but just like i've definitely seen like other like actors like take it down like right away like and why do you want the synthetic don't you want the real deal i mean just pay that person that you're copying to do like their job which they're great at i'd say like 99% of the voice actors are pretty cool like I'm sure if you just pay them, they'll do a great job and be cool about it. But I forgot where I saw this, but someone posted on like Twitter saying like this, like yes, like pay your voice actors and pay them for the job they do. They said um, something like this, like regulated, could help like very small companies that couldn't afford voice actors otherwise. Which you know I can see, I can see that side for sure. Um, but I mean, it's, it's never going to be actually having the live person in, in the booth recording lines and dialogue. Mm. Um, 
But yeah, like I said, it's just like a mixed bag because on the one hand, like I said before, you know, yeah, it's not the best when someone chooses AI over the actual person. But then on the other hand, at least the actor will get paid for that use of their voice. And also they have the right. Minimum. <laughs> Minimum. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I say like at least the minimum rate. So I don't know, Marcelo. What do you, what what do you think about this kind of news? Um, I don't know, man. I have opinions about AI that are. I have mixed feelings about AI. I see the oh. benefits of using AI for for uh, helping companies you know, streamline processes. And I see the benefits of AI for, for being able to, um, you know, make certain things, uh, more streamlined. I can see, uh, you know, my, my brain works in two ways, right? So there's like the, the business side of that. And then there's like a creative side of it where I can see where people who work in these creative spaces, you know, can see where, you know, there's a little bit of a, 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 of that, like, well, you know, they're taking opportunities away from us. And definitely, you know, there's a lot of missed opportunities there. Uh, but like you said, you know, oh, it's an opportunity for, you know, smaller companies to be able to have access to voice actors. But at the same time, it's like, I'm sure there's a lot of small companies and maybe there's smaller voice actors who oh, for are sure. also looking for that opportunity, right? Maybe, Definitely. you know, but I'm not familiar with like what the rules are for voice acting and what the minimums are and, you know, what somebody has to be paid and stuff like that. But it's like, it's like, all right, well, I'd be willing maybe to take a lower pay for a lower job. But it's like, you know, at what point is, are you taking advantage of somebody? Um, right. Yeah. And I it's think, like, and I think that difference is is like depending on whether or not the actor themselves is a part of the union or not. Because I know right. there's, I know there's like SAG voice actors, and then there's you know un like non unionized voice actors, yeah. um, or like or actors that haven't gotten into the union yet. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah it's I mean, it's just it just all depends on you know what what side of the scale you're on. Like you're saying. Yeah. Uh, like, I feel like AI is a really, I feel like AI can be used in a lot of ways to help us kind of get things started. Like, but I always feel like the human touches should always be there to kind of wrap it up, if that makes sense. Like, um, like, right. you know, for me, like, English is not my first language, so I still struggle with a lot of <clears throat> a lot of like putting things in the correct context. So I will I will use sometimes um, like chat GPT to help me like I know I have an idea for something. So I will have like chat GPT help me outline things and then I can like then I can work off of that, you know, right. And 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 I'll, I'll it'll help me create templates, and then I can work off of that and stuff like that. That's how usually I use it, um, and just to help me create foundations 
and then work off of that and create my own stuff off of that. Um, or, yeah. So, I don't know. It's tricky. I think it everybody is. uses it differently. I mean, do I want it to go out there and, like, fucking replace humans all the way? Fuck no. Definitely no. not. No, do I think it sure. should be? Do I think it should be completely taking away whole jobs? Do I think it should be able to save voices and completely replicate the voice of a human after it's been recorded? Definitely not. I think I think things like that. Um, there's a lot more that needs to happen with right. that. So, and I think I want to because this just popped into my head. Um, it's kind of echoing a lot of the stuff that you were saying, Marcelo. Um, back when uh, the Corridor crew released their AI-generated anime, and it got uh, the internet very up in arms, because uh, I saw I, I follow them because they do really cool stuff and they do a lot of deep dives into animation. Um, they showed how they did it, and they pretty much took and ai that they made or they got and then they did a lot of their own um you know set uh photos of like the ideas they wanted and then they kind of had the ai learn how to do like a castlevania style for their anime and they kind of did it and then a few months later, they took the same concept, but then they had um, they hired animators to do a lot of the art that would then be uh, community generated to do mm -hmm. the same thing. Mm -hmm. And there's an animator that reacted to it um, by the name of Aaron uh, Blaze, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, but he is an animator he animated for disney for a long time he was uh the director for uh brother bear and now he's independent um on his own but on his youtube channel he did a reaction to uh the the short that they made the corridor crew made and he he went on to talk about um ai in general and it was kind of echoing the same stuff you're saying where he say he was saying pretty much like AI could be a very useful tool for artists, but AI shouldn't be the artist. In it a shouldn't sense. be the tool. Yeah, it shouldn't be the tool. It shouldn't be the the the, the one artist. It should be a tool for the because he was mm -hmm. he was giving examples like man, I it would be so amazing, like if there was an AI you know algorithm that could help me like shade all of my my drawings because shading would is like one of the biggest processes in animation because it takes fucking forever right. it's like man it would be so great to have like an ai algorithm that would help me shade my art it would cut down like half the processing time it would be, it would save so much time and energy yeah and so it's just like ai is like a lot of, i've heard of like a lot of animators uh at least a lot of veteran animators talk about how it's very similar to when digital art was coming up in the late, the late 90s, early 2000s, mm -hmm. where computer can like digital art, like on a computer and like stuff like that, um, was looked down upon. A lot of people would say it was like they're treating it as a big threat. And it's like, oh, this is going to destroy animation forever. 
And then it just turns out like, no, it's just going to become a tool that people can choose to use if it's regulated. And I think that's what AI is going to have to do is just be regulated to yeah. fucking to a fucking sunder. That way it can be dealt with. Now, unfortunately, like I was saying before, the actors had to fight for that in retrospect. But it seems like hopefully like the act, at least the voice actor side of the union is like getting a jump on that. So they don't have to deal with what the actors and writers had to do last year. Um, and then hopefully that's the same way for animators, like lock it down, get, you know, all the right legalese like in order and then create it, like make it a tool that, artists can freely use to do what they want with their stuff and you know just don't steal anything from anybody else yeah that's what i was saying like just use it to help streamline processes i mean imagine being able to like you said help me shade help me colorize help me do this like you know um kind of like last year two years ago what kind of like when a lot of this AI stuff was really starting to get at least get more mainstream attention. You know, I saw this really awesome plugin for um, Adobe Premiere. I think it was that was a podcast AI editor that it was a plugin that um, would essentially like if you have a multi-camera setup, it was this plugin that would automatically cut down your videos for an interview and automatically oh. like cut it down so that like for two cameras and be able to cut down an interview and cut back and forth between both camera feeds and like edit it down so that it knew how to oh. edit back and forth between without you having to manually slice the videos. And I was like, fuck, like that would save so much time yep. having to edit back and forth. You know, that sounds very similar. I think Spotify has a feature where it cuts, it automatically cuts out all of the dead air, I believe. Mm. It's kind of, it's kind of like in the same vein as that. That's interesting. Okay. I was like, like, if you do video editing, like something like that, if you do like a lot of interviews and stuff like that, where you, you have a two, like a two angle camera set up for interviews, like the amount of time you would save is huge. You know, like that kind of stuff is important, you know, like. I don't know. It's like, what if we have an editor that just acts like Zoom? Okay, interesting. It sounds yeah. like, yeah, it's it's just a big, it's just a big, uh, you know, a big new field that we need to make sure that people navigate correctly. And I know it's it's kind of the wild west at the moment, but I feel like hopefully, fingers crossed that you know coming in the next few years that you know it'll be tightened down more and more and then we can actually get to a point where you know saying the word ai doesn't send a shiver down everybody's spine i'm curious to see what the next thing after after like ai and like machine gen like machine ai and like, I'm curious to see what the next thing after this is going to be. That's what I'm curious about, right? Like, AI is one thing, but I'm curious to see what's next. Like, what's the next thing? <laughs> I, I guess it just depends if Elon gets Neuralink ready. 
<laughs> oh god, that's right. Mm. <laughs> the first test Hive mind for real. It's like who whose original idea is it really? <laughs> uh yeah, I don't know. That's going to be a very tricky subject that we're going to have to kind of navigate towards for the next little while. Um, but, you know, we talked about a little bit of heavy stuff, but I felt like maybe we could, you know, sprinkle in a little bit of optimism in the game realm before we kind of wrap things up tonight. Um, if you guys remember uh, uh, the Video Game Awards, it was announced that Sega was doing a lot of uh, new additions of some of the classic games we got mm-hmm. to see well we got some uh new news uh this is coming from insidergaming.com um there are three more sega classics that are uh set to be remade as well so pretty much uh at the video game awards they showed off uh what was it golden axe uh crazy taxi, crazy taxi? yeah uh, Shinobi, Streets of Rage, and Jet Set Radio are getting uh, new additions. But it seems like there might be a few more that are possibly getting new ones. Uh, it says here, speaking to sources, it's understood that Panzer Dragoon, Neon Genesis Evangelion, and Sakura uh, Tyson uh, will also be getting new games in development. For a lot of Sega uh, things, which is wild because the last Panzer Dragoon game was a digital release on the Xbox One. So it's it's been over a decade at this point. Um, let's see. You know, also uh, with those games, it's also said that there's including eight more games have yet to be announced because um, there are trademarks that Sega had filed for. Apparently, uh, they filed for trademarks for Alex the Kid, Afterburner, House of the Dead, Outrun, Super Monkey Ball, uh, Alter Beast, uh, Eternal, Champion, uh, Eternal Champions, and Kid Chameleon. Damn, House of the Dead. Damn. So we could possibly be seeing like a renaissance of Sega. Like, hey, you loved all of these old games from the 2000s, late 90s. They're all coming back, baby. <laughs> I'm actually really interested to see what a new Altered Beast would look like because I remember playing that on the Genesis. Jet Set Radio. Jet Set Radio. Altered Beast? Have you not played Alter Beast? No, what the hell is this? Rise from your grave. It's a really weird game, but it was also cool at the same time because like each level, your guy would just get more and more buffed to the point where he just turns into a beast. And you fight these weird underworld demons. It's fucking sick. But yeah, Sega's doing some pretty cool stuff. It's uh, it's nice that a lot of these old franchises are actually getting some attention. That's not just uh, Sonic and Yakuza, and then whatever Persona game Atlas is making. 
Nice. Nothing like a good old Atlas game. Yeah, speaking of Atlas, I, um, the Persona 3 remake is coming out soon. So much stuff to look forward to. I know. Dude. What was it? Uh, the Last of Us uh, 2 remasters coming out at the beginning of February. That shit looks dope as fuck. Already a remaster? They're calling it a remaster, but it's more so like a director's cut. I think they just wanted to use remaster. Because it is technically getting like the little bit of the boost for being on the PS5. But they're getting the the three lost levels with director commentary. They're also getting the uh, uh, no return uh, DLC. It was the, uh, their version of the uh, roguelite mode where you get to play as a bunch of the different characters from Last of Us 2. It's kind of like a survival like roguelite game. Just which would be cool because Last of Us has really good gameplay, so I feel like it would work. And I think it's been getting pretty good uh, reviewer scores. So that's so here's hoping. And also, they're doing the upgrade pass. So if you have Last of Us Part Two for the PS4, you can upgrade it to PS5. You can upgrade it to the remaster version for ten bucks. I will never well, play then. those games, and that's okay. <laughs> You know what? That is fine. Because I know that it can be very stressful. Especially when you fight the Rat King. Which I'm not looking forward to. Because, very stressful. Which I'm not looking forward to because the Rat King is also in no <laughs> no return. So uh, I'm going to enjoy that fight again. Um, There will be a Xbox uh, Developers Direct in... On this coming Thursday, I guess when this podcast releases on Thursday, it will be today. So we'll be talking about it next episode of the podcast. But uh, let me see. They're going to be talking about they're going to talk to the devs for a few games. Let me. uh, Director 14. I know they're going to be talking about Hellblade 2 some more. Hopefully. Fingers crossed we're going to be getting a a release date and not just 20 like 2024. Let's see. Uh from Xbox, uh presented by the game creators themselves, Developer Direct offers an in-depth look at upcoming titles, how they're going to be created and who's creating them. They'll visit Machine Games in Sweden to check out the Indiana Jones game. Uh, they're going to check out uh, Obsidian's Irvine office for Avowed. Uh, Oxide Games in Maryland for uh, Aura History Untold. And then, of course, um, Ninja Theory for Senua Saga Hellblade 2. So that's going to be cool. Have you guys uh, been keeping up to date about the Indiana Jones game? Oh what? Not at all. I actually forgot about it until you brought it up. I just know, I just read it really quick too that the, I knew it was Bethesda and the people who are working on Wolfenstein are working on it. I just saw. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the Wolfenstein team that's making the Indiana Jones game. So that's going to be very interesting because hopefully they'll answer this question on Thursday. Um, but nobody, because Wolfenstein is known for being a first person game. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so people don't know if Indiana Jones is going to be a first person or third person. You think it would be third person because if you're playing as Indiana Jones, you want to see him. But that team yeah. isn't known for third person's games. So th- this would really be a new turn for them. Um, And also, it, they have a little bit of weight on their shoulders because... I don't know if you know this, guys, but the Indiana Jones franchise, at least movie-wise, isn't what it used to be. So they have... A a lot of people are looking at this game as, like, this needs to be the hit for Indiana Jones for the franchise. So I'm hoping they have a lot of good stuff to show or at least kind of talk about. Because I really hope it's going to be a good game. I would assume they're going to go like do some uncharted stuff like that kind of misadventure and that's what it makes sense yeah shit and that I mean that you're third person the whole time as as Nathan Drake save for maybe a, a few interactions but um I feel like that would be the best way to do it I, and like uncharted is so Xbox really have a an uncharted like cinematic game really I mean they have their no. own I guess they they try to be different from PlayStation but I mean that's they had. I only got to play Uncharted because of Marcelo. I mean, I think some Xbox players got, you know, they deserve to, you know, what it, see what it feels like, or at least a better version, or hopefully equal. They got one of the new Tomb Raider games as like a, a launch exclusive. Like they they had it for like a year before it went anywhere else. But I don't think they really had their own, like Uncharted like game to themselves so this this would be their first one and apropos to like uncharted is like ps like playstation's like indiana jones inspired game where xbox is getting an indiana jones game you know yeah so it makes sense but who knows it makes sense we might be first person whipping nazis i don't fucking know like i I really don't yeah i'm on the same boat as he was like Indiana Jones is kind of—I don't see—it's not like a generational thing for this generation. It's more for like older people, I think. Like, I don't know. I don't. I mean, the fan base is still there because, like, there's people that still care about Indiana Jones, whether it's you know people that grew up with it and like sharing it with their kids, or it's like people that are only interested in like the ride at Disneyland, you know, and that's yeah. all they know about Indiana Jones. You know, besides the last two movies. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, I think today they said that there is going to be no, like, surprise launches like they did for Hi-Fi Rush last year. So they're kind of, they're getting that kind of rumor out of the way. So it's like, no, we're just going to talk about these games. You know, we're hoping, you know, I think some of them are hoping for a 2024 release. Um Although I'm still wondering, you know, what the hell Rare's doing with Everwild. We still haven't heard anything about that game. I'm going to harp on it until we hear something about that game because you can't just show something and, you know, not talk about it. As well as Fable. Fable kind of. That's what they're doing with Coder. <laughs> Didn't Coder get canceled? It did. It pretty much the, did. The remake pretty much got canceled. They didn't say it was canceled, but it's pretty much canceled. Sorry, Joel. I know. Uh, it, it was 
I, I, I to, honestly, I was excited, but after that first year, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> we don't see anything else. And so, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, that'll be fun to talk about. See what happens. Um, it's really cool that Xbox is actually, you know, going in and like having the devs talk about their games. It's a, it's a nice kind of change of pace. It's kind of they started doing it last year and. You know, it seems like they're going to keep doing it every year. You know, in January, they'll have the devs talk about what games are coming out and what they're working on. So it'll be a fun, a fun little treat for all of us game fans. Uh, let's see. Getting I mean, an Indiana Jones crossover with Sea of Thieves. Ooh. Now, the, now you're balls. talking. He fights skeletons and shit. Dude, I'd be so down for an Indiana Jones uh, set. Oh, imagine this, Joel. You can have the figurehead be the idol. Yeah, from uh, from the to, for, to, uh, the first movie, right? Uh, Raiders Lost of the Lost Ark. Ark. Yeah, that was the one that had the the idol and the ball, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine that as a figurehead, so. that, or have it be the the capstan. That'd be kind of cool. What about the crystal skull? You know, they could they could make that work actually. Like they could have like a set piece for your ship that would be the crystal skull. It could work. Alien. <laughs> Marcel <laughs> shaking his head. I don't know. I'm excited. It'd be cool to see what happens. Um Yeah, besides that, um I don't know if there's any uh News topics that any of you wanted to bring up before we kind of wrap it up here? Nope. Just that the 49ers are going to beat the Packers this weekend. Ah. Uh, sports. Hope so. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that will about do it for this uh, episode of the United Winner Podcast. We appreciate you guys joining us back here for another year of, of you know, talking about Ooh. a lot of Good, fun, nerdy stuff. Of course, like I said, reminder, February 25th, third anniversary stream. We're going to be champ. We're going to be crowning the first United We Nerd World Nerdy Weight Champion. Bookmark it. Uh, if you haven't followed us on, on Twitch, go do that. Twitch.tv forward slash at United We Nerd. Uh, and of course, we are everywhere else on social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram threads. You can find us there at United We Nerd. Uh, we look forward yeah. to continuing to have these conversations over there with you. If you'd so like to have this conversation with us, we would enjoy the time you spent you spend with us. But of course, that's then. We have to say goodbye for now. So until next time, keep on nerding. Bye-bye.